Today, we're going to be talking about Dunkirk and Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Then, in our Tube Talk segment, we're going to be discussing Game of Thrones and the Ozarks, so stay tuned. Welcome to The Real Review. Welcome to The Real Review, sponsored by Parametric and Lazy Ape Studios, where you get some of the latest happenings, real thoughts, and perspectives in the world of film and television. I'm here with Matt. How many years old are you now, hey? <laughs> Who am I today, Matt? And everybody, I'm here with Joel. Spent the whole week at Comic-Con in San Diego <laughs> while I sat at home, Cunningham. I did bring you, I, break, I brought you swag. You did bring me swag, and I appreciate good the swag. swag. Hopefully, uh, f- a very nice poster. Yes, a Logan poster. A Logan poster, pretty favorite. And a White Ranger plushie. A White Ranger plush, <laughs> plushie doll. Because you're a huge White Ranger fan. White Ranger right? fan. <laughs> yeah, so, well, and you can probably hear it. I don't know why I'm the one doing the main hosting today. My voice, you can hear it in my voice still. Uh, and we should, I should apologize as well. This is one of the main reasons why probably everybody's like, where's the podcast? Podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's supposed to come out on Mondays, but um, I my voice has been shot for the last couple of days as well, and this is like the first day you can actually still hear it, but it's like finally starting to. come Well, out. I took a poll, and all of yeah. our fans like the raspy Joel oh, Cunningham. Like yeah. Hello, friends. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I, don't know. I was going for like a musician sound there or something like that, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we are super excited and glad to have you here. Uh, for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, maybe not familiar with how the show works, uh, this is where we kind of break down. Uh, uh, shows and films with this concept of kind of fan versus critic perspective. Matt tends to be a bit more of a fanish type perspective, more of like the sure. fun and the whoa and the cool. Yeah. Uh, and I tend to be more of like the critic, like analyze, structured, blah, 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 story development things. Uh, we both can do a little bit yeah. of both of that yeah. side, but uh, that's kind of how it breaks down. And so For sure. uh, we get that two sides of the coin there. Um, and so Matt, why don't you give our listeners just really briefly a little snippet, if you could, of some ways to get connected to the podcast. Yeah, get connected with us on our social media interconnected universe yeah <laughs> that is uh twitter uh, dot com uh slash real review media or you can just look us up at real review media and facebook.com slash real review media mm-hmm. same with instagram at real review media but then also you can find our website we have a website that we keep pretty up to date uh with a lot of things especially with uh, comic-con recently mm-hmm. um and uh that's real review media.com you can also email us at real review media at gmail.com to let us know what's up what your thoughts and opinions are of the show there you go. Yep. So awesome. Uh, we're going to be talking about so two films today, and then we're going to be getting into after that. We'll have a little bit of a like a musical breakdown, and then moving into our tube talk segment. We're talking about the new episode of Game of Thrones, for sure. As well as a show that is recently released on Netflix called Ozarks. So uh, Matt, with that, yeah. would you like to get right into our film uh, talk? Film I review totally stuff? would. Why don't you start us off then with Dunkirk? Okay, Dunkirk. Allied soldiers from Belgium, the British Empire, and France are surrounded by the German army and evacuated during a fierce battle in World War II, directed and written by Christopher Nolan, the man, the myth, the legend himself, <laughs> yeah. um, starring Fionn Whitehead, uh, Damien Bernard, um, a number of other people, Kenneth Branagh, Mark Rylance, uh, Tom Hardy, and uh, One Direction. So, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, the best movie ever. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right? so he's in it. Um, as well, but just as far as this movie goes, yeah, I really liked it. 
Okay. I really liked it. Yeah. Just to kind of start off, I want to start off with some positives. Um, I didn't know a lot about this going into it, and I actually did a lot of reading after the fact to get my like facts straight. What was, you know, Hollywood? What was embellishment? You know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Did it take place in different converging timelines and everything? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one thing I really liked about this movie, it's a little bit different. Uh, it's... And, I guess I should have expected something like this from Nolan. It doesn't play yeah. in a linear format. Right. Which is in all of his movies, he does some he does he has really interesting storytelling uh sensibilities. Right. And so he picked to not tell it in a, a very straightforward linear format. And you, you get that right away. It tells you right off the bat, "Hey, this is what's happening week 1. Right. This is what's happening." And that's what one. I'm that's what I kind of mentioned when we talked about it in our coming soon segment. Christopher Nolan likes to play with your perceptions of reality. Right. And so I was I was confused a bit because this is such a we talked about it in coming soon very f- simple kind of story it's right. it's not that there wasn't good things and big things that happened but it's it's a very straightforward story so I was very I didn't expect it but I was very happy to see that he kind of tried something a little bit different with right. tr- telling like I said like those converging stories yeah. that are kind of happening at the same time different times and then kind of meeting all up together for sure so yeah no it was good um I so I really like that aspect about it I actually thought. Um, the acting uh, was better than I anticipated. The, the thing with this movie is it's not like there's a single protagonist. Right. It's kind of like a, a group of main characters-ish, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Um, and the acting was good. I will say this. I was skeptical about Harry Styles and he actually did a good job. It's the yeah. first time I've ever seen him act in anything. Yeah, I don't know if it required too much of him script-wise. No, it didn't. Uh, but, I mean, he, he had a couple of intense moments, you know, yeah. in the boat. But, like, I was just like, wow, that's all right. Yeah. Good for him. I, I don't think he did a bad job either. I think the biggest thing is I'd have to see a bit more of him before I could really say, like, yeah, I think Harry Styles is a good actor. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. I think sure. he just did well with, with the, the minor limited section of time that he did. Yeah. And Christopher Nolan's a great director. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, he can get a lot of good stuff out of his actors. So for sure. What, any more thoughts, um, continuing thoughts? I did, I did really like the sound. There was one instance where the score to me that Hans did, um, he, basically the whole movie is is a uh, is a progression, a rapid succession, whether it's a ticking clock or some sort of like staccato beat that builds to something. Right. There was one instance in the beginning where I felt like it was building, but nothing happened. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, this is weird. I hope the whole movie is like that. It wasn't. It was mm-hmm. just that one instance. For some reason, maybe he, I don't know what the thought process was behind it, but for the most part, I really enjoyed it. The sound design was super intense. I was telling you earlier how one of the first things right off the bat is a gunshot. Right, yeah. And it freaked me out. <laughs> and like, and like, I it, jumped a bit, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like tense, man. I was watching it in one of the Dolby cinemas. Yeah. Which, so the Harkins up here, actually, no, sorry, it's an AMC. Yeah. They have, they don't have the IMAX. They have the IMAX at the Harkins. Right. They have like a Dolby high-end cinema experience at uh, the AMC, which I actually kind of like a bit more than the IMAX. Yeah. Personally, I, I the screen size isn't, as long as it's a, a generally big size, right, right, I don't right. care if it's like as big as the IMAX, but the audio is really what makes a huge difference. And those Dolby theaters have an amazing audio right. sound. And when that shot went off, it was like, <laughs> I was like, oh man, it just like freaked me out. Yeah, yeah. but the, the movie doesn't take a long time to get going. It's like pretty yeah. brisk. That's another thing I liked about it. It's very succinct movie it yeah. wasn't dragging in areas it's nolan's shortest film i think other than following but it's um an hour 45 right and it's brisk it doesn't need to be any more than that no it definitely felt like the time of it was it fit like, yeah it's really and my opinion of it so far is that 
as I've been thinking more about is it's really a film about a story. Right. And the story is what takes the the preeminence. It's, it's the main thing you're watching the entire right. time is this development of these soldiers on the beach trying to get off of their off that beach back to their homeland. And so right. in that sense, it's told very interestingly and very well. Like we discussed, yeah. Christopher Nolan did a thing where he kind of mixed up the timelines with a couple different key characters and elements to kind of play with your perceptions of what's happening when and and where and why. Right. And so that was really cool. I mean, there's that scene, I don't want to spoil anything necessarily, but there's like a scene about halfway through where it's like nighttime and then you see something and you're like, oh, what? Oh, yeah. hey. Yeah. <laughs> that's the first moment where you really are like, oh, that's really cool. Like I yeah. didn't see that coming. Um, but I don't want to spoil too much of that. I think it's really cool to kind of have that experience yourself for the first time. Even if and, you have a general sense of what happened in the events of that day, yeah. Um, it's it's cool to go into it not like doing a ton of research beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, on a visual storytelling level, I... I was super enthralled the entire time, especially when it came to a lot of those airborne dogfights in oh, the yeah. planes. I mean, you really got a sense of like being in the cockpit of right. like this plane as it's, it's shooting the other one. And the tension is there as you're like, oh my gosh, is it going to hit? Is it going to make it? Is it going to line up correct? I mean, that tension was really there in a lot of the times where, you know, a plane would fly by and would like shoot one of them. And you're just <laughs> like, oh man. And it would just, yeah. again, the noise the would just sound be. Was yeah. Um, so I really like that element of it. And then even just the, the visual style. Uh, the way that the the beats to the music cut with the editing pacing to kind of pick up the pacing uh, to add that intensity and add that sense of like oh my goodness what's going to happen here what's that dread and so that uh, that's really good I think yeah the Hans Zimmer score was amazing for the film it really added a lot I didn't that was one thing I it, so. I agree with you on all that, and I don't want to go too into the, the negatives until you've had a chance to air all of your good sure, stuff. Sure, sure, sure. So do you have any more positives <laughs> you'd like to talk about? Um, other than that, I, I thought this is a great example because most war movies that you get, the, and some of the classics, I mean, like Saving Private Ryan, you know, they're relatively yeah. bloody and yeah. gory. Yeah. There's like no gore to this film, and yeah. it's very intense still. You don't... It, it, I, and this is something that, that's kind of been talked about a long time, especially with Christopher Nolan and his movies. But I think just having the element of just the intensity of what's happening and the way it's filmed mm-hmm. creates those uh, tense moments. You don't have to have a bunch of blood and gore all the time to depict the craziness of war. There's a lot of times I was like, oh, my gosh, get out of here. Get out of here. You know? Yeah. And um, I thought I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, but um yeah, no, I guess that's yeah. that's it. I mean, I, just yeah, really I think it. so. Like, if I was to connotate it, use like a metaphor of sorts. If you were to compare his filmic style to like a music, you know, genre, he's more of like a classical type composer when it comes to his films. I mean, they're very tasteful, but they're very big and they're strong, and they they involve a lot of aspects, a lot of moving parts that kind of all build together and come together. And then there's other people. You've got like a Michael Bay. He's more of like a rock kind of, you know, like just cheesy rock. rock I mean, EDM. yeah. So and and you got other people that are more like the a lot of the horror guys that are more like it, like Rob Zombie. He's more of yeah. like a hardcore metal type guy, you know. So he's like the classical filmmaker, and I think he fits that brand better than anybody yeah. else right now. And everything is like, um, I don't know what isn't, but almost everything that I could tell and read about was in camera. Which Absolutely. Is awesome. Yeah, and he's a huge proponent of that film aspect of filming things on film. Right. It was really funny because like the Dolby Cinema, what they put up there beforehand, and this is kind of something you come to know as you work in editing and film production. You know, there's a thing called filmic black, and it's 
when you film something in film, it, it it's black, but it's kind of like a reddish hueish black. So it's not like pure black. Mm-hmm. And a lot of projectors are incapable of well as well of film of displaying like a pure actual black blackness. Mm-hmm. So they have to have black like of a certain hue with a color on top of it in order to fill the picture. Whereas with those uh, projectors in the Dolby theater, they can literally just do pure blackness and just do the white and kind of project that. Whereas like, and so it was funny because before the film started, it says, yes, the projector is still on, like playing off that idea that, okay, well, we're, we can, we can show things in pure black, but then it goes straight to the Nolan film black. And I was like, well, it's completely pointless to say that. (laughs) So I thought that was really funny. That's a minor thing. So there's a lot of little minor things I've been noticing at the theaters because I'm going so much these days. This is completely unrelated, but the Harkins logo, as it comes up, I don't know if you've seen this, but in the actual logo, it's like the saddest thing. They have a couple different like vignettes of like videos in the actual words Harkins. Okay. And one of the shots is, I don't even know why, it's Andrew Garfield dressed as Spider-Man. And it's the only shot of him. That, it's like the only film that's even in there. And that's it's just weird. him. And I'm like, that's so sad because it's like lonely Spider-Man. Random. In the Harkins. <laughs> completely unrelated. I just had to put that there. So, Super random. Yeah. So... Um, I'd like to discuss a few things because I think a few, few of the more negative aspects of this, I did rate it highly. I did really like it. Um, I'm going to give it a good rating, but I, I think it's worthwhile to kind of discuss a few of the limitations that I felt like were in the script. I think one of the things that the script didn't do quite well or quite effectively enough was to really branch out of just telling the story and really get me deeper with a deeper connection to the characters. Yeah. Now, I definitely did care... Like, I didn't want to see them die because I think that was more on the basis, though, of the story, of it being a historical event, of knowing, okay, well, they're fighting against, you know, Hitler and the Nazis, and these are good people fighting on the right side, so I want to see them live. But them individually as people, you don't really ever get a sense of who they are, where they no. come from, what their world's like, what their the worldview is. And so you never really get a deeper connection to too many of the characters. And so it wasn't like if I had seen any of them die, I would have been like, oh, that's so sad. I didn't want to see them go. And so I think that was a minor limitation uh, for me to the script. And the way that he projected the film and putting things together in a very non-linear format, it pushed it towards having less of a deep connection right. to the characters. Um, so I thought that that was kind of a limitation for me. Sure. And I think the other aspect that really, I don't know, I didn't, I, I just didn't really get all the way there with that I've seen in a lot of prior sort of Christopher Nolan films is there was no one underlining thematic feeling uh, tone. Well, there's definitely tone, but no underlying thematic element uh, that kind of played throughout the story. You know, there Mm -hmm. wasn't like leaving the theater. I was like, wow, I watched something that was really intense and it was interesting, very suspenseful, but it didn't like leave me with a sense of like, okay, well, war is bad or, you know, people look at the horrible things that one human can do to another or what is existence or what. There wasn't this deeper purpose or meaning that it really drew from the film. Right. Because, again, I think it was more about the story and less about the characters and less about the way that everything progressed with the characters. Right, right. So those are some minor gripes. Yeah. I think that's what kept it from elevating. It'll still be one of my favorites of the year. Yeah. But it kept it from being like in the top like five or something like that because I really need to have a strong sense of like, I'm pulling something from this. I'm going to remember this film as like, wow, really intense ride. Yeah. And really visually interesting and complex kind of narrative. But I'm not going to remember it as like, wow, I really emotionally took a lot out of that, you know? Sure. And yeah. it didn't progress my thinking. Did you have any thoughts? Yeah. No, I I didn't. I don't have a lot to say on the negative side. I do I do echo a little bit of the sentiments of um, the not knowing 
a lot about the characters, not diving into their characters a little bit because there's there's a lot. Um, I, I did care for um, probably Tom Hardy's character, Mark Rylance's character, yeah, a bit. Um, the main character that we're with, I think his name is Fionn. Fionn. Yeah, Fionn uh, Whitehead. He's like he might even be the main character, but he's just Tommy. one of the he's just one of the guys that you're introduced to him first, essentially. Yeah. Um. So he, I I mean I, I like that, but I like I liked that they followed him because he conveyed a sense of desperation. Right. Uh, him and the guy that he was with. Yeah. Um. For but sure. the biggest thing for me that I really wish they would have done a little bit more of was convey. Uh, the scope of outside of of what you saw on the beach. Like, I wanted to see more of them surrounded. You right. know, air quotes, surrounded. I, I wanted gotcha. to see more on the outside of the... the. There was a time where they mentioned, you know, they could be right over those hills over there. You know, like, like I want to see, like, them, like, being, like, totally just surrounded. More right. than just... They're out there. Right. You know? And they did a couple of instances, mainly at the beginning, Um and then with the planes swooping in, but I, I think, I think I would have liked to see more, and that would have given it a bigger scale of being like, oh man, this is this is super dire. I think they did a better job conveying that they were surrounded at sea, yeah, for sure, better than they were on land, yeah, sea um, with yeah. the U boats and right. stuff. So, um, but other than that, that's really it for me. I would agree with that though. I think that was also, I mean, I think what that would really aid in and help in the film is again a sense of sort of dread and suspense Yeah, if they'd done more of that. I didn't necessarily like need a ton more of that, right. but they could have done it and it wouldn't have been a bad thing sure. to have a bit more of that. And I think it would have as well maybe aided into your sense of where the characters are at Yeah, and you're like wanting those characters to, to survive and see them. I mean, I'm not going to say who, but one of the characters, so there. I didn't really even feel like there was necessarily like a main character. Right. I mean, there's practically no dialogue right. through the, most of this movie. I mean, there's a little bit of back and forth and a couple like key moments and stuff. But for the most part, it's a very quiet as far as dialogue film, not quiet as far as music and sound effects. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's not a lot of said, not a lot said. One of the characters ends up, you know, dying partway through the film. Again, I'm not going to say who. And when they died, I was a little bit just like, oh, well, that's sad. It's kind of. Yeah, I feel bad, but then you're like, I felt like I should have cared a little bit more about the fact that the character died, and he died under pretty weird circumstances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, you know, I, I, I wish I had known him a little better or something. Then I would have kind of connected more to it. It almost felt like it just kind of needed to happen because it was part of the script, you know. Right. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm saying like that would have aided and taken it to a deeper sure. level. And I think. Maybe he did that willingly. Maybe he sacrificed certain elements of developing the characters because he really just wanted to make it more about, about the, story. the story. Yeah, right? more about telling the story of the people that were involved. Because I have a feeling that that's what what his eye yeah, thinking was going. He's not that. a stupid filmmaker. He yeah. wrote it. He directed it. You know, he chose of kind of he chose what he wanted to put in there and how he wanted to do it. And I think it would have been very simple and easy, at least in my mind, to add a couple little elements of what I'm talking about just give moments where the characters are kind of talking about different things of their past or their right. history and not to like, you know, do, not make a dip in the suspense, but just like as things are progressing, you can kind of work that naturally into the script right. where they're talking about different things. So yeah. Yeah. Overall, I was very happy. I was very cool. satisfied. Yeah. Um, Matt, why don't you give uh, your rating for this? Yeah. I uh, really like Dunkirk. Uh, impressed again. I loved it. Just, Kind of overall, I wish it would have given a little bit more scope, maybe a little bit more relatability, or not relatability, but connection with the characters. I'm going to give it a 93. All right, cool. Yeah. I'm going to give it a slightly lower, a 91. Cool. 
But uh, E-minus there for both of us, which is pretty solid. Yeah, super solid. Yeah. Anything above a 90 is super gold star. Absolutely. And that's kind of, I mean, this, that these films that are coming out right now are some of the last big summer sort of blockbusters. Um, this is one I was actually a little bit skeptical of, as we talked yeah, about before. Right. Um, so I'm glad to see that Christopher Nolan has kind of done big things with it and good things with it. It's a very successful film. I'm sure it'll make a an awards run at yeah, the end of the year. They're already probably. talking about how it's going to get re-released and everything. Probably be nominated, I'm thinking, at least for sound. Uh, sound probably. design uh, probably I'm guessing maybe best original I'd like to see uh, Nolan get a nod I'd love to see Nolan get a nod I don't think it's going to be and maybe this was an awards run for him maybe he kind of made this one as a hope to kind of get some some awards going some of the sure. Academy Awards there I don't think any of the the actors really deserve a nomination not because they did no, bad yeah. but because it's just not there yeah. there's none of there yeah exactly so, cool alright well with that then we're going to move on to our second film we're going to be discussing today in our movie review, movie review portion and that is the film Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets and this is different from Valerian uh, Iron Forge Steel from Dragon's Fire right? yeah okay Okay, cool. We can talk about that later. If, later, if you okay, want. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Matt, you didn't have a chance to see this one, nope. correct? So, nope. I'm going to be primarily talking about this one. Um, let me give you a brief rundown of the film. Break and it then down. I'll talk about how I'm going to give you a, a breakdown of the film. So, uh, a dark threat, a dark force threatens Alpha, a vast metropolis and home to species from a thousand planets. Special operatives Valerian and Loreline uh, must race to identify the marauding menace and safeguard not just Alpha but the future of the universe. Uh, it's directed by Luke Besson. Besson, sorry, Luke yeah. Besson. Uh, it stars uh, a fairly large cast, but it's got Dane. Uh, I'm gonna Dehan. Dane Dehan. <laughs> you know me. Kara <laughs> uh, Delevingne, uh, Clive Owen, Rihanna, Ethan Hawke, and uh, Herbie Hancock is probably like the the biggest names. There was a bunch of uh, CG characters as well, uh, voices that I I don't know who they were exactly at this point, but I'll probably look them up at some point. So um, the screenplay was also written by Luke Besson. And uh, I didn't have... So here's how I'm going to approach kind of breaking this down. Um, I uh, I can't really talk about this film and give a fair enough breakdown without spoiling some aspects. So if you're somebody that's out there that doesn't want any aspects of this film spoiled, which I think you unfortunately might be in the minority because it's not doing too well right now, um, definitely jump ahead. But I'm gonna talk. I'm not gonna talk about too much. I don't want to spoil any like the major things. But the film itself, you kind of have to break it down on a story level a little bit to kind of get into why I really didn't like the film or enjoy it for the most part. So break it down. Yeah. So the film itself was based upon a French. Uh, comic book series of sorts, a French graphic novel that I guess Luc Besson has been a huge fan of for a very long time, kind of always wanted to make this. So in a way, it's kind of like his his dream. It's his passion project to sort of make this project. And I've had a very mixed, I guess you could say, uh, mixed feelings in regards to some of Luc Besson's uh, prior projects. I was a huge fan of The Professional. Um, I really liked The Fifth Element, but there's been other things that he's done Lucy, I didn't really like. Um, he made a bunch of the the Taken sequels and stuff. He made the first Taken, but then he made a bunch of the sequels, which weren't as good. And so he's done some good things, and he's done some not-so-good things. Um, this film, I wasn't expecting a ton from. I was kind of expecting a a similar feel of Fifth Element, which if, sure. you're, if you're a big fan of Fifth Element or you know Fifth Element, it's one of those films where it's kind of a cult classic, but it's got some good elements there. It's got decent acting. It's got really inventive, cool, and you could say, oh, it's based on Blade Runner, stuff like that, but it's got some pretty cool kind of 
different uh, inventive type visual style and feel. He definitely creates kind of its own world and it's got the sense of being in its own world, this futuristic world. And it was interesting. And it was the one thing that I didn't like is that at times it would kind of push itself more towards the cheesy and the silly gotcha. um, in the script with different elements, but it always came back to a more grounded state of being just kind of a fun action type film with a bit of a deeper thematic element. Um, like so a with fifth element? Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> if you know the film, you, you okay. know what the fifth element is. And so um, with this film, I wasn't expecting this big, grandiose type um, action romp. I was more expecting kind of this fun, uh, a little bit silly at times type action sci-fi hybrid. And yeah. uh, one of the things that he did really well with the film is he definitely did great with the visual style. It looks visually stunning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, very much so. Everything that he put together uh, feels different. It feels inventive. Um, I wouldn't say that he's necessarily like adding to or like playing off of stuff from The Fifth Element. It really felt like he kind of is creating things. And I know that I haven't read the comic book series, so I'm not sure how much he's drawing from that and right. how much he's kind of creating things in and of itself, you know, and it's, it's set up to be a somewhat interesting story because you kind of have these two main characters. You have uh, major Valerian and Sergeant Val Loreline, Loreline, and they're kind of this, um, I guess they have this tension where they're like, they kind of like each other, but they both, well, more so she doesn't trust him because he's supposed to be this kind of like player guy. And yeah. He's got a bad history and everything. Um, but when you get and that could be a really fun thing that could be really like played off of each other kind of throughout the course of it that like they're bouncing back and forth during fights and you know not trusting each other and he's yeah. trying to convince her to trust him and stuff like that um that ended up being a huge weakness of the script for me um was the relationship dynamics between the two main characters i never got a real sense and a real feel for why these characters would be attracted to each other or okay. be interested in each other other than the fact that like at the very beginning that he's like trying to convince her to like date him, I guess, and be with him. And he's like, well, I'm here and I'm available and I'm, I'm smart and I'm attractive and da, 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 da. And she's like, so what? I don't care yeah. what, you know? <laughs> so you never really get a sense of like why they really like each other. Um, other than they have skills, <laughs> you know, like yeah. they're, they're skilled as these agent people <laughs> and they're just kind of around each other and they're probably attracted to each other. And that was a real weakness to the script. I think one of the things that I loved so much about the fifth element is that you, you recognize that there was a, a weakness in both of the characters in fifth element, uh, the main, you know, the main driving characters and yeah. they both fix that for each other. So they kind huh. of work together like a puzzle piece. They kind of fit together even all the way up to the very end where they kind of had to be together to save everything and to fix everything. Spoilers, right. you know? No, Whereas okay. this film, it really didn't make any sense why they were wanting to be with each other, relying on each other, other than just like, well, we're around each other, we're yeah. attractive, so we should kind of be together. So th that relationship dynamic wasn't very strong. Okay. And then to break down into the, the actual story, and this is kind of getting to like this negative. more spoily nar negative territory. Negative. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, one of the main problems that I kind of had with the story is you really don't get the main so there's a, a at the very beginning of the film there's a class of aliens that are sort of presented to you that live on this planet and they they live this lifestyle where it's very simple but they kind of have this like almost quasi-religious type okay. uh, spiritual bringing with these like creatures and they use these creatures to create these orbs and then I guess they don't really talk about food or anything like that, but I guess the orbs provide them the sustenance that they need huh. in order to like sustain themselves. And they live on this beach. It's a really pretty, beautiful beach. And then like immediately, and you can see this coming like a mile away. It's like, oh, well, this is too good to be true. And they spend a lot of time kind of building these aliens out. This giant like 
all these ships start sort of crashing, and you saw that in the previews. You know, all these ships start crashing, and this one ship in particular crashes and just like destroys their entire planet and oh, uh, kills off one of like the princesses of the, the the tribal leaders of the thing. And so that kind of ignites the story and set the story in motion. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. So I don't know who these aliens are. I didn't know anything about them. Yeah. I didn't really care about them, and I didn't really feel like I needed to relate to them. It, it really felt like this other quasi-weird different race and culture of people that I don't know anything about. Right. And prior to that, you, they show you the building of the Alpha and the creation of Alpha. And it, that was actually a really cool montage where it's like showing how it's growing bigger over the years and yeah. how it got started. And it's kind of this hybrid of people just kind of wanting this bastion, this place that they can go to that is like a peaceful environment where everybody can coexist with each other. And I thought that was cool, the way that they did it yeah. with the music and the style. That's cool. I thought that was fun. But then the alien thing, and I felt like it went on, the alien thing went on for too long. I didn't get enough context for it or enough of a sense of like why that mattered to me. So it just felt like this kind of like side story that I knew would eventually come into the story but it wasn't all that important so then i guess the princess girl when she dies or when these creatures die they kind of like release this like energy that can be like absorbed by other people and kind of stick with them and they get this like understanding and relatability to that person that kind of died so they learn yeah. more so not the if they capture the, the energy yeah exactly so they capture the energy of that individual and so that ends up playing out over the course of it it affects major um, this is stuff that's presented at the very beginning and kind of why it goes away but it never really plays out in a way that is significant to the story it kind of just happens yeah. and it's kind of just there as a means to an end it's more like a catalyst but you never really like I wanted to see that playing out in his like personality and yeah. that playing out in the decisions that he made and the direction and the choices that he made it's almost just like well I kind of need I, I need to have like my little guide that takes me in the right direction and that was like the only reason that was there was to like direct him into the right direction was yeah. the only thing and they never showed how that played out with him or made any sense of that hmm. so that's one big thing um, moving into it though um, they build up this whole case of so they they do this kind of it was somewhat fun a story where um, the two main characters, the Loreline and Valerian, are going to the city that kind of exists on this other planet that you have to use like these goggles to see, and you can interact with through like um, like multi-dimensional transports, huh. and parts of your body can be in that multi-dimensional transport or like in that multi other dimension. Like my hand. Your, yeah, like so you have a box and you can like slide it through and go into that other dimension, okay. but the rest of your body remains in it. And it kind of made sense and it was kind of fun. It was inventive. It was at least yeah. creative yeah. idea because he like gets his arm stuck in there and so it's kind of like he's unable to get out and so his arm's there, but so but it never really like connected in a way that like if it necessary, I didn't have enough time to like really figure out if that made sense or not. <laughs> it seemed like there was a couple moments where it didn't really quite fit and make sense like they were kind of playing that up a little bit because you could see your like astral projection in the other environment but it couldn't be impacted but then other moments it kind of did get impacted by the things that were in so it didn't necessarily always make sense um gotcha so that was kind of fun and then it but the the main thing is it moves into this thing where they go to alpha because they're delivering this thing that they took during that the pre-existing yeah. battle they take it to alpha and then this whole sort of story the main thrust of the story if you will kind of starts then unfolds unfolds yeah but you never at that point up until i would say the last three-fourths of the movie you don't even know what the main characters are sort of fighting for beyond just him and her talking about their relationship like whether they're going to be in a relationship yeah there's really no thing that they're driving towards there's no story that they're moving towards they're just existing. right because it ends up that their story and the story of the stealing the thing this little creature that was one of the things from the aliens that creates the the orbs 
um, that ends up relating into their story and trying to help these creatures in a way rebuild their home planet. But you never get to that point until about three fourths of the way the movie through the movie you finally find out that that's like what they're wanting needing to do help these creatures and then very quickly like immediately after that you find out why gotcha and so it was like to me what they really simply should have done is presented that at the beginning that there's these creatures that are looking to rebuild their planet um, and they're attacking the humans to try and get the technology that they need in order to do that but then don't present the reasons for why like specifically that they got their planet got destroyed and everything like that until later in the movie. So as it stands, it was like the whole movie is pretty much about these visual cool scenes and action moments yeah. and the relationship between the major and the sergeant, the girl and the guy. And then three fourths of the way through, then he goes, boom, here's what, here's why this is important. And then boom, here's what happened to them. And it's like, boom, boom. And it just drops. And it's so it's, it doesn't even build anywhere. Weird. You get okay, no so like building there's, tension. There's like no story. Right. There's like really no story. It's really just a series of look at all the you know, stuff building and building and trying to like, trying to make do with what they can do to survive and right. to not be killed. So you it's know? just kind of like, Hey, look at all this pretty thing. Yeah. And you yeah. never get a sense of even why the main, like you get a slight, just at the very briefest moment, beginning of why, uh, Kara's car, car's character, um, why she is the way that she is. Cause she went to all these schools and learned all these things and she got burnt out on like these certain types of activities and mindsets, but you never get a sense for why, uh, Valerian is the way that he is. And maybe they were trying to say that for a future movie. I don't know. But they didn't get that, you know, very well. Let me just say, $205 million production budget. You know what it made opening weekend? Yeah. $17 million. $17 million. Yeah, <laughs> just very frustrating. So um, there's other elements of the story. I'm trying to just hit the big stuff here because I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about yeah, this. Yeah, totally fine. Um, so that's one main thing. And then the other big aspect to this that I felt like the film just flopped so hard because here's the thing. If the characters are having a good time, if they're not taking it too serious, if it's fun... If it's an action romp type thing, I can get into that. I enjoyed that aspect with Fifth Element. There was just times they were just having these silly action moments. and But the characters all appeared to be like engaged with it, connected with it. They might not have been having like fun, like they might have sure. been freaked out, but they were like part of it. Whereas, and I don't know if this is a style of direction that's very, I, I mentioned this, like a lot of French films can kind of be like this, but um, the main, most of the main cast of characters came across as very disconnected mm. and very bored, very flat. Gotcha. They were all just like, oh, okay, yeah, wow, okay, that's cool. And their voice might get really high and they might shout, but even with that, they're like, ah, and then they're just like, okay, on to the next thing. <laughs> and so it's it, it just all, all of the acting, especially between the main two characters, I don't necessarily blame them because I've seen them uh, have a stronger character in other movies. It just ended up feeling very, very flat and very, yeah. very disconnected. It didn't feel like they wanted to be a part of the film. Gotcha. It felt like they were more just kind of there to get a paycheck and to do what they needed to do to kind of move on to the next film project. And so... That's sad to me. That is sad. Because I think both of the main characters, I think Dane DeHaan and Cara Delvine, can be good actors. I don't think that they're, there's anything wrong with their acting style. I feel like they just keep getting cast in these films where it's like not making good use of uh, their acting talents. Right. I think this might be really tough for them as well because this might have a big impact on kind of where they go next. Especially um, with the box office results. Yeah, and I know Dane, um, he's pretty big in the indie Realm, oh, yeah, for but sure. he has yet to move out of that. I mean, this might push him kind of back towards that. And Kara, she's coming up on two really major flops now. I mean, with uh, 
Well, Suicide Squad was it, more of a, a commercial, commercial it, flop. Yeah. Criti- or, Crit- sorry, a critical flop. Critical flop. Commercial Commercially, flop. it was yeah. very successful. Right. Um, so, But she's not getting a lot of kudos from the critics right now. There's not a lot yeah. of people saying really a lot of positive things about her. Right. So we'll see. Yeah, Maybe we'll see. she can kind of move into some bigger stuff. I haven't checked her IMDb to see what she signed up for. I'm sure they both have other projects yeah, that they're oh, for sure. signed up for right now. But What yeah. would you uh, rate this thing? So I thought about this. Um, <laughs> A lot. Um, it's a tough one to review um, and rate because I feel like it it failed on a lot of story elements, a lot of acting elements. Okay. I think I'm going to give this one, I think I'm going to give it a 60. Okay. So it's like D- C Solid minus. D-, D minus. D minus. Yeah. Sorry. That's what I meant. D gotcha. Minus. Yeah. It's tough to say. I gotcha. I yeah. gotcha. I mean, there was people, there, it was a pretty empty theater. There was like... F- Five people, I think, other than me. Yeah. There was a group of like three young boys kind of up far left of me and about a quarter of the way and they just started laughing at things. <laughs> and then they just stopped, couldn't stop laughing after that. And I, that's kind of how I felt. There was no really good humor. There's nothing else really to say about it. So, All right. All right, Matt. So uh, any other film talk? Anything else? No, that's it. Know? I was kind of curious how's that was. That's about what I expected it to be. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'd say, you know, wait for it to come out on, I'm sure it'll be all over, like, you know, Netflix, Amazon. 8-Track. 8-Track, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be all over those kind of places. They're going to be doing everything this, they can to get this movie every place that they can to make as much money because they've just not done very well right. with that. Foreign markets, we still have yet to see how the return's going to be because I don't think it's open in all the foreign markets yet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So crazy. All right. So with that, then we're going to move into our tube talk segment. We're going to be talking about our two shows, Game of Thrones, as well as the Ozark. So uh, stay tuned. All right. Welcome back to our tube talk segment. This is where I mentioned we are going to be talking about Game of Thrones season seven, episode two, the most recent release for episodes from Game of Thrones, as well as a show um, I've been calling the the Ozarks, Matt, but it's actually just Ozark. Okay. So yeah, I should, <laughs> I should clarify. Yeah, Ozark, which is a uh, starring a bunch of different people. It's a new one on Netflix that I just had a chance to watch and I uh, wanted to discuss really cool. briefly. Sound good? Yeah, man. Cool. Break it down. So uh, we're gonna start with the uh, Game of Thrones discussion, um, Matt. Have you managed to catch up? Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. So I, uh, I, I kind of have a gist of what's happening up till the end of season six. Yeah. Um, like I have dragons, fire, basically white walkers. Basically, I've done a lot of reading. Let's Winter's just say coming. that. <laughs> yeah. Winter's here, Matt. Yes. So let's get on board it is with here. that. I'm okay. Just <laughs> totally kidding with you. So uh, I will talk about this episode, though. I had a chance to watch it. I thought. Um, so obviously we've only got a little bit of time left. We've got five episodes a season. Left. Right. We've only got five episodes left. And then additionally, then we've got the next half a season kind of thing. So my, my feeling was at the beginning of the season that they must have to like hit the ground running because if they've only got one season left, there's a lot of battling. We still haven't even seen the battle with the white walkers. Right. I was expecting the White Walkers to have like pretty much by now already be there. I feel like that already would be, be a fine. last season thing. Yeah, I think it's going to be a last season thing. I I will say this, I think they're really playing that out into like maybe the last couple episodes. I'm thinking like end of this season, we'll see the White Walkers like reach the wall. Do you think it's going like to be that? like like someone someone new is going to, you know, take over the Iron Throne and then everything's going to shift towards let's fight the White Walkers? 
I think it's going to all happen at once. Okay. If I had to project, I mean, I don't know. I don't okay. know for sure. I mean, they're already talking about. So with this episode, they kind of break down the 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 main beginning of the episode is they're talking about Daenerys and her her plan for sort of like how she's going to conquer back uh, the Westeros area. And so she's getting Tyrion's kind of explaining his plan, and he's got all the people there. He's got the you know the Dorns. He's got the the Greyjoys, and kind of going with their plan. He's like, we're going to use our troops here, and then we're going to send our troops over here. They're going to capture Casterly Rock, which is really cool. Um, and it's this good plan, and I think up to this point, I think what they did effectively with this episode was at, up to this point, you really are kind of like, well, what is Cersei going to do? Like, Cersei's forces are at a weak point. They're dwindling in numbers. Nobody really likes her. Right. You've got all these really big forces that are kind of except for uh, Uncle Euron, uh, the Greyjoy guy who's kind of like in charge of the, the, the Greyjoy Isles now. Yeah. Um, she's kind of like his biggest, he's kind of like her biggest ally of sorts. Um, but the the other side is super strong. Cersei's side is like super strong. So they really set up a good leveling of the playing field of a sorts here because Euron attacks at the end of the episode. Um, I'm just like, wait straight to the end of the episode right, here. Right, right. Uh, Euron attacks the Greyjoys and it's a really good battle and it's a really awesome battle. Um, I That's the kind of thing I was expecting more of with this season though. Right. I was expecting it to move like boom, 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 boom. Um, I, I think what they're building towards, I'm going to go back to that now. Um, I feel like what they're building towards is like this one big epic battle with the White Walkers. I was thinking they were going to have the battle take place over the course of like a couple seasons or a season, but it's really feeling like what they're building towards is just like one big epic battle right. that'll maybe it'll take like two or three episodes where there's like this huge thing with the White Walkers and Cersei's army and they're kind of all climactically doing all this stuff at once. Yeah. Um, I don't know for sure, but okay. it kind of feels that way. I was hoping that it would be like a like World War type epic scale thing, right, you know what right, I mean? Where right, you right. have like these forces up here doing this epic battle and those forces there doing that. I and mean, it was taking place over the course of a really long time and yeah. you had like lulls in it. Um, but it's really not feeling that way. And I think that's a budgetary thing as well, maybe. Probably. Um, where they're trying to kind of scale it back a bit to what they can do with television, which is a little frustrating to me, you know, because it's felt like I think the reason I'm presenting this is because it's felt like this episode these two episodes are going a little slower okay. than I would have projected. I got you. I, I was thinking that they would have made more progress with certain areas. I thought White Walkers were pretty much already going to be there. I mean, winter's here. They've said right, it. Right. I thought the White Walkers were pretty much going to be there by now. I thought the battle between Cersei and the other forces would have pretty much already gotten there or like been there. I didn't think they would just be starting to draw their battle lines and everything like that. Um, so I'm not saying it's bad in a sense, but it does feel a little slow yeah. to me. Um there was some cool things about this most recent episode. I think, like I mentioned, that the the sea battle was really cool. It was pretty unexpected okay. in a way because I wasn't... I, I mentioned this in, I think, our prior review of the episode where I thought that Euron was going to go and attack the Dorn um, as a means to kind of show Cersei that, like, hey, you know, they killed your daughter. You know, I'm doing this because he said he's going to make this gesture for her to prove right. his allegiance and everything, and that's what I thought. And he, so it kind of did. It kind of ended up going that way. He ended up capturing, uh, I forget her name, but the main lady from Dorne, uh, the main lady that's in charge, um, Margaret's mom. I can't, I can't think of Margaret, Marguerite. Mar yeah, I can't think of her name right now. So it's okay. <laughs> but he captures her. He kills a bunch of the girls that are down there, um, which I didn't mind, actually. I was actually really annoyed by them for the most part. Sure. Because um, they all just act completely cocky. And I don't like any character. So for that matter, I don't like any of the character that's like, I'm the best because I'm the best. Right, right, right. And so right. <laughs> it was good in a way to like see a few of them get their sort of comeuppance um, in a way. Um, some people are out there probably right now really pissed off at me for saying that. Like, hey, why would okay. you say that? It's okay. Um, there was a completely unnecessary scene between Grey Worm and Missandei, like a sex scene, which is one thing that's been a little bit lack. Um, I was like, oh, nice. They're kind of like toning down on like the whole like unnecessarily like, over the top 
like nudity. And it was yeah. just weird because it was like, you know, he's a, uh, a eunuch, eunuch, you yeah. know, and yeah, she's yeah. like not. And so it's like, well, how, where, this is only going to go really one way, you know what I mean? And that's the way that it went. But it's just kind of a weird scene. And it was nice to see them. I was happy to see them get together, but I didn't need the, nis- the right. additional like five minutes of like over the top, like nudity, right, right, right. stuff like that. So, um, but it was nice to see them together. I think the one thing about this episode, um, that I really ticked me off. Oh, I will say this: um, the the Sam plot line with trying to fix the grayscale was disgusting, but right. awesome okay. at the same time. <laughs> I was like, it also makes me go like, nobody really, nobody has figured that out before. Like, right. nobody's figured out that that's the way that you would just pull it off. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you just pull it off, does it not come back? I mean, like, so I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I thought the um, Arya's plot and her meeting her friend again was kind of sweet and nice. I thought that her meeting the direwolf was kind of cool but unnecessary but they're i think they're like trying to tie up plot lines right right um in a way but i think i'm really excited to see her get back to where her brother is of course her brother's leaving right now to go so they're building up that whole plot point of like daenerys and john and they're going to get together and so it'll be interesting to see if that's the trajectory that they're going to go in this song of fire and ice thing the whole idea that they're going to end up together and that's the way that it's going to move forward I, i could definitely see it going that way i think one of the things that ticked me off with this episode that I was going to say is Daenerys' attitude has gotten very prideful and like egotistical. Gotcha. She's kind of gotten a bigger, a way too big a head. Yeah. At this point, she has yet to really win and take the throne, but she's already acting like, well, I'm in charge and you gotcha. need to, if you ever do this to me again, then I'm going to burn you alive and da da da. And it's like, all well, these people have really helped her. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you could say very, you know, definitely worked kind of the both sides, but he also yeah, really Varys. supported her and Varys, yeah, helped her out. So, I don't know, she kind of annoyed me a little bit, um, but we'll see what that partnership, because John ends up going. And then uh, Sansa as well, uh, she's like, she he made a smart choice. He kind of left her in charge uh, up at the the, at the north. Okay. And I think that's good because she's been wanting to kind of have sort of more authority that's put on her, and I think it'll be a good test for her. That's like her home too. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so I'm wondering if like what's going to happen is she, John's going to go hang out with Daenerys and then there's going to be a, an attack of the White Walkers or something like that and she'll have to like show her like leadership like yeah. get that done da, 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 da. you know so the one thing that's kind of disappeared though is her brother he's right. kind of yeah he's kind of like he he showed up at the wall and then he like he's gone he's gone and it's like <laughs> where did he go I thought he was going to meet up with John and Sansa I thought they were going to like hang out and yeah. talk and like you know get some information but he like literally has disappeared that's weird and that was a little frustrating for me uh huh. i was a little annoyed by that and so i think this episode to me would have been an okay episode um probably would have given it like a bit of a b minus okay. if not for the final battle that cool. was a really epic you know sea battle that kind of happened there at the end if not for that i probably would have given it close to like a b minus or something like that but i think because of that sea battle um I'm rating a little higher, cool. giving it about a B plus nice. uh, for this episode. So I thought it was fun. Um, the Greyjoy thing, um, I'll be interested to see kind of where Theon goes at this point because he, yeah. he chickens out at the last minute. He didn't really have a choice was a part of the problem. Like his um, Euron's got his sister and he's like, you know, come at me, bro. Like, come at yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And he's got like an, you know, an ax to her throat, which he's a, he's a bad dude. Like he just takes everybody out. He's just like, God, God, yeah. God. And you really feel the intensity of his character, which is awesome because up to that point, you really hadn't seen him fight and he's just like a mad dog. Yeah. And so, but he's like, come at me, come at me, um, Theon. And Theon's like, uh, and he kind of like whistles out and jumps overboard. Yeah. And I'm like, but you don't really have a choice. Like, yeah. you're not going to beat him at that moment. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. but it's given a little bit of a character arc for Theon, which up to this point, he's kind of just been there to be there. 
Yeah. You know, so that's nice. That. It's kind of like showing, okay, he's probably going to get redemption in his sister's eyes at po- some point. He's going to have to go like save her, do something. Yeah. Um, which is nice because he's up to this point had very few moments of like good things happening with him and through him. He's been a lot of bad stuff. So for sure. Um, interested to see where it goes. I think it's going to be kind of cool. We'll see how the effects of the, the naval battle kind of change the plans of Daenerys. Oh, yeah. Uh, moving forward because she lost a big you know, chunk of her forces, uh, because of that. So, uh, any thoughts? No, no, it's, that's good here. I'm uh, surprised it's a little slower to start out than normal, but other than that, I I really think, but the thing is, I'm sure they, they can just turn that on a dime whenever they want to. Yeah. I'm sure we've seen that. Yeah. With the naval battle and stuff like that, which it was going in a really stupid direction to me (laughs) personally, because like his, uh, Theon's sister and I can't think of her name, but like the main Dorn girl, the main Dorn lady were about to like get it on together. And then it was like the battle took off. And I was like, come on, do we really need to see these two right, like right, get right, together? Right, right. And then it was like, boom, then the battle starts. And I was like, nice. Cause it turned into like a really epic climactic. Like, cool. Yeah. This one poor guy like gets chomped by like the, so the bow of one of the ships has like a mouth on it of yeah. sorts. And when it comes down, it like lands on top of it. Oh my gosh. And you like hear like a squish sound. It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, so man. yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting and kind of cool. Nice. So, yeah. So awesome. Cool. Well then with that, we're going to move on to the next show we're going to be talking about today, which is uh, one that unfortunately, Matt, you haven't had a chance to watch. I'm not, but I might check it out depending on how this goes. Yeah. So uh, it's a show called The Ozark, or just Ozark. Ozark. Keep getting that wrong, adding articles and plurals and things like that. Um, The synopsis for this is a Chicago-based financial advisor secretly relocates his family to the Missouri Ozarks. That's where I keep saying Ozarks. Um, Ozarks, when his dealings with a drug cartel go awry. The creators are Bill, uh, I'm going to probably mispronounce this. Bill Nye? No, it's Bill Dubuque? 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 Mark Williams. It's got uh, a few people in it. I think the big names that I've recognized so far are Jason Bateman and uh, Laura Linney. Okay. Kind of the two yeah. big names that you've got in there. Uh, you got a pretty, I'm sure it's going to be a really large cast of characters because there's like, you know, it's it's growing. Um, you've also got um, uh, a pretty awesome, nasty drug cartel kind of guy played by uh, Isai Morales. Um, okay. So. This show kind of caught me a little off guard at first. Um, it looked like it was uh, going down the route. I didn't read anything on it. I didn't see you anything. Just I just it. saw Jason Bateman, and I like. Okay. I, I'm a pretty big fan of his in some things. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of started it, and I was interested to see kind of where it goes by, where where it was going, and um, it was going down this route of being kind of a straightforward drama of sorts, like maybe a suspenseful drama of like this guy kind of trying to become rich and powerful. And it, yeah. it, it opens with this guy getting a lot of money and he's kind of hiding the money, Jason Bateman. And you're like, okay, well, where, what is he, where did he get that? How do you get that? And I was thinking, okay, well, obviously he's involved in something a little underhanded. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I felt like that was going to be the slow burn. It was going to like, kind of like Breaking Bad. Yeah. And this, this show actually has a bit of a Breaking Bad kind of feel to it because okay. it's kind of like an everyday guy that's um, pushed into like crazier and crazier stuff. And he's kind of like struggling to survive. And the tension that's building there is is similar in a way to Breaking Bad. It's also got the Mexican drug cartel, which is part of Breaking Bad Basically, yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely got a different tone. Uh, It's definitely more of a somber kind of darkened, even with the color palette that they're choosing for the colorization. Everything looks like it's like dusk almost. It's got this really grays and blues and blacks and really kind of like blah, you know, kind of feel to it. Um, And so it was going down that path of this kind of like family drama with some like building tension and 
you know, him trying to like build himself up to become something better and respected. And then it goes in a completely different direction about halfway through the episode. And it really takes a really dark turn. Um, Yikes. Yeah. In a very unexpected way, in a very, what I felt like was a pretty interesting and kind of awesome way at the same time. Um, It's got this mixture of the first, and I've only seen the first episode of this, um, but it's got this weird mixture of like terror and a sense of like dread and guilt that the main characters have um, with intelligence as well, because the people that are operating in this environment and in this world feel very grounded. Mm. They, they feel amoral, but they feel amorally grounded. Like they're just bad people, but they would exist in the real world. You gotcha. know what I mean? Yeah. So this guy turns out that he's more or less funneling uh, money. He's laundering money for this guy who works for the drug cartel. Gotcha. And you don't really figure that out until halfway, so spoiler, sorry. But yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's okay. up until that point, you feel like he's just a standard everyday financial advisor. And then when it takes that turn, it, like bad thing happened, bad thing happened, bad thing happened, and he ends up moving to the Ozarks. Um, and it, it it's really well done in a sense because you get a sense that Jason is, he's hiding some elements. He's keeping some cards close to his chest. Yeah. And, but he's also a very intelligent guy. Um and it feels like everybody's kind of got this kind of darker side to themselves that they're kind of waiting to kind of move more into with the different characters and with the different elements. Um, there's a, there's some people that are saying that the, the, the I think the biggest gripe that I'm hearing with this right now because it's getting okay reviews. Okay. It's getting like an okay. It's it's fresh. Um, you know, it's not it's not a splat and run. It's like a sixty five percent. It's getting like a six point eight out of ten or something is like the average percentage. Um, they're saying it's a little flat. Okay. Which I could see. I think the characters don't have at this point a lot of, um, they're kind of just one-toning it. Not they're a lot hitting, of dynamics. Right. So, it's yeah. kind of like that guilt, uh, depression, sadness, kind of dark side. Right. It's kind of like where everybody's at at this point, except for like maybe maybe one or two other people. Gotcha. Um, and But I've yet to see that really play out over the course. I've only seen one episode. Um, but it's got really good suspense. And I felt like, it's charismatic enough to get across what it's trying to get across. Okay. It's not trying, at least in my mind, to be Breaking Bad. Yeah. It's not trying to show this like slow eventual spiral of this person into this world of, yeah. you know, it's not trying to be Scarface. Yeah. You know, it's really <laughs> this person trying to survive and and do the different things that he needs to do in order to keep himself alive and maybe his family. And no, I say I maybe you. because the, you, you've seen some inklings of... We'll see some stuff maybe. Yeah, okay. of like some... And so I will say as well, this is definitely not a show for kids. Okay. Very beginning, like first couple minutes, you get a pretty over-the-top, like strong sex thing. And then there's another scene a little bit later that another sex thing that happens, like a boy's into it. Um, it hasn't been like over-the-top... Uh, like nudity or anything, but like that, but the, the scenes yeah. are very like obvious, like what's happening and it's right, really right, right. pretty intense. Um, and then it goes into some really dark territory, especially with like the killings and the murders and the people suffering and things like that. Gotcha. So, uh, not a show for kids. How, so know, how would you rank the advisory. first episode? I actually would give the first episode, uh, an A minus. All right. So give All it right. like a 90, 90 ish, 90, 91. Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It, it hit the right areas for me. It's telling a really interesting story at the moment. I'm interested to see where it goes. Okay. So that's cool. the biggest thing. That's good to hear. Yeah. So I sure. think you're going to check it out maybe? Yeah. I'd like to give it a shot. I mean, it's been a while since we've had a solid Netflix original to be excited about. Yeah. I mean, it's been a little bit. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So cool. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and then wrap things up on the podcast for today. So a couple good ways, again, as a reminder, hit the end to get connected to us. You can do so at our website, which is realreviewmedia.com. We'd definitely love to have you. Check us out on there. And then we have our Facebook and our Instagram and our Twitter. Facebook is facebook.com slash realreviewmedia. Twitter and Instagram are both at realreviewmedia. And then you can always drop us an email. Let us know your thoughts, feelings, uh, projections of what's going on uh, on different stuff, which is realreviewmedia at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Perfect. There you go. Matt, anything else? No, that's it. All right. It's been real. It's been real.